The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Hello, and welcome to Know the Score. I'm your host, Don DeLorente, and I'm joined by my co-host, the Libra icon, Dwayne. What's going on, Dwayne? It is good to be back. I am so sorry to the listeners. Life has been happening, but it is very, very great to be back with you, Don, and ready to talk about the world of sports. Well, first, I'd like to thank Nebias Wilborn for sitting in on the last episode that we were able to do a couple of weeks ago. So thanks to him for coming by, dropping some knowledge on uh, what he thought was going to happen in the Super Bowl and the MLB as well. So we're going to kick it off by first letting everybody know you can find another score on SoundCloud and on the CSPN on the web at CSPN.us. So we'll just wrap up the NFL as we'll talk about the Kansas City Chiefs. They scored three touchdowns in the final nine minutes to wrestle the Super Bowl away from the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, It looked like it was going to be the classic defense tops the offense in the Super Bowl narrative. But then the third and 15 strike to Tyreek Hill happened. And all of a sudden, that little bit of sliver of hope turned into the floodgates opening and Kansas City runs away uh, as they have done all playoffs, getting down by double digits and then turning around and winning by double digits. So, Mr. Libra Icon, your thoughts on Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid winning the Super Bowl. Beautiful thing for, first off, Andy Reid, one of the class acts of the NFL, uh, winning his first Super Bowl. We know the year that uh, Super Bowl 39 when he uh, took the Eagles to the Super Bowl when they lost to the New England Patriots in Jacksonville. So we're going to go back to Florida, go to Miami this time. And like like you alluded to, this was a defensive battle, and and the 49ers used the strength of their defense as well as the running game to um, basically dominate the game. But I think what happened is overconfidence within the 49ers started to set in. Because you remember how they were posing for that touchdown, and the players kind of felt like this game was in hand, but... We know the wizard that Patrick Mahomes is, and what he did in the last nine minutes of the game was simply phenomenal. And this is definitely a new era of the NFL with uh, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. I think this is going to be the next big rivalry of the AFC. But Kansas City definitely deserved this first Super Bowl win in 50 years. Uh, definitely for uh, Lamar Hunt, who's been, who was basically the figurehead for the uh, what the NFL is today. We're starting the AFL 
1960, and then, and then, you know, 50 years later, the NFL's what it is today with the Super Bowl being the biggest game of the year, and Kansas City, you know, they, they've definitely become a city of champions within the last five years with the Royals in 15, and now the Chiefs winning it uh, this year, so... Shout out to Kansas City. Congratulations. Beautiful thing. The downfall to me seemed to come when Kyle Shanahan got away from running the football. I did not think that he would ever relive the 20-3 debacle (laughs) that happened against the Patriots. But it looked like, to me, that's exactly what happened. Uh, he kind of got a little bit past happy there when the running game was clearly uh, looked like it was starting to kind of take its toll on the Chiefs there in the fourth quarter. And uh, they did not get a first down there, gave the Chiefs an- another chance with the football. They still had a chance late. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo missed the deep shot to Emmanuel Sanders, who'd beaten double coverage. That could have gave them the lead uh, late in the fourth quarter on that big home run touchdown, uh, if that would have connected. But uh, all in all, uh, you know, Kansas City did kind of maybe two years in the making. Uh, They didn't get it last year, but they come back this year and and they wind up getting uh, the Super Bowl victory for Andy Reid. So, like you say, uh, you know, guy who has worked so hard. Uh, to get this far, who's had a lot of ups and downs and who, you know, has been close numerous times, all those times with Philly, uh, a couple of times here with the Chiefs where he's had really good teams come up short. And now he's finally fulfilled his, uh, his, his, you know, Hall of Fame resume is finally complete. So big up to Andy Reid and uh, Patrick Mahomes. He is the new man, I guess. On the block. He's going to get paid. He's going to get paid. Yeah. How much do you think uh, Patrick Mahomes' contract is worth? Is, is he going to be the first ever football player to make $200 million? Yes. I emphatically, yes. And, I mean, you look at the you look at the numbers. You've got the Super Bowl. And I think Aaron Rodgers has the highest uh, Super Bowl. I mean, not the highest uh, contract in the NFL at the moment for quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Patrick Mahomes, he's equal the number of Super Bowls with Aaron Rodgers with one, and he did it in less time. So I think Clark Hunt is definitely going to make sure that investment is made in the solidifying the Chiefs for years to come, and and times are definitely a changing, and I don't know how the salary cap's going to look by the time. He gets that money, but he's going to get that $200 million contract out there. Yeah, yeah. So, speaking of guys who are going to break the bank, when he gets his chance to uh, break the bank, Lamar Jackson is going to maybe top that as he was named the unanimous NFL MVP uh, during Super Bowl week. So, uh, just another honor to top off his great season that he had this year. And uh, congratulations to him. And I'm looking forward to what he is going to do next season. I mean, if he did this 
in one year of kind of, you know, what the debacle of the playoffs last year and what they said he couldn't do and how he improved to leading the league in touchdown passes. Man, what is he going to improve on? How large is he, you know, what type of leap is he going to make next year? Right. Uh, that's what I'm looking forward to. Same here. And not only did he lead the league in touchdown passes, I mean, the setting the record for most rushing yards and just the ability to excel at both uh, phases of the quarterbacking game. Uh, it's, de- it's definitely a great thing to see. And, you know, this is only just the surface. He hasn't even reached his prime yet. So uh, he's going to do some special things as long as his health holds up. Uh, definitely see a lot of a lot of growth even more from this loss. And I think he's going he's definitely gonna get a Super Bowl appearance and even a Super Bowl win. I can see that coming. But it's gonna be really fun to see Kansas City and Baltimore in these uh, future uh, playoff games potentially for years to come. Next up the modern day Hall of Fame class was announced. Headlined by Troy Palomalu, Edrin James, Steve Hutchinson, Steve Atwater, and Isaac Bruce. Uh, Troy Palomalu, no doubt, especially after Ed Reed getting in last year. Edrin James, though, very surprising because um, a lot of people would look at his stats and maybe line them up with some other people and say, "Eh, maybe too soon. But I'm glad that the voters... Uh, realize how much he sacrificed playing with Peyton Manning uh, during those years with the Colts and that his stats that he did put up were that much more impressive due to how pass happy and pass dominant, you know, Peyton was calling the plays. Any thoughts on the, the Hall of Fame class? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I definitely think with the uh, style of offense the Colts ran in those years with uh, Peyton, the numbers that Edron James had put up were very great uh, in the grand scheme of things. And for uh, Troy Polamalu, uh, two Super Bowl victories with the Steelers, definitely well-deserved nod. Isaac Bruce, uh, one of the main uh, main cogs of the greatest show on turf. I mean, you, there was no Kurt Warner without Isaac Bruce and, of course, Torrey Holt as well, Marshall Falks. So, but Marshall Falk, Kurt Warner, Isaac Bruce, that trio, definitely well-deserved. Uh, Steve Atwater, definitely special special teams player, no pun intended there. Um, and Steve Hutchinson, I mean, the Michigan man comes in, and he was one of the keys to Sean Alexander's success in Seattle uh, when he was with the Seahawks. Uh, Sean Alexander always ran on that left side, and it was that left tackle, Steve Hutchinson, setting that edge, and he was able to make all those big runs uh, in big part of Steve Hutchinson. So this Hall of Fame class is very well-deserving. Uh, they earned it, and can't wait to see them get in stride next year in Cannes. All right, and then we have just a final wrap-up of the NFL, the year of the black QB. Black quarterbacks were the four top QBs in passing yards and touchdown passes this year. 
So just a big shout out to Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, and also um, Jameis Winston. So those four guys uh, ushering in just a new wave of quarterbacks, uh, black quarterbacks taking the forefront. It's a good thing to see. And hopefully with Kyler Murray also uh, being in that class as well. I think that's actually Kyler Murray was actually in the passing category. And Jameis was in the touchdown passing category, but something like that. Anyway, black quarterbacks, they they killed it last year, and they should definitely improve and just build on it next year. Dak Prescott, I don't know, it was Dak, Kyler Murray, Jameis, and I think Lamar for passing yards. And it was Lamar, Jameis, Russell, and Patrick Mahomes for touchdown passes. Definitely the year of the black quarterback, and 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 um, I think we also I don't know where he's going to be, what he's what the team's going to do. I definitely think a comeback is going to be in the cards for Cam Newton wherever he plays. Hopefully, it is in Carolina, and I definitely can see him back in that same echelon of black quarterbacks as those names mentioned too. Before we move on from the NFL, just talk about the hire of Matt Rule as your favorite team's new head coach. Uh, David Tepper finally has put his stamp on the team as far as a coaching hire. Baylor's uh, head coach who has some limited NFL experience as an assistant. Uh, You know, what are you looking for? What do you expect from Matt Rule as far as offensively, which is his calling card? I expect a lot of RPOs. Uh, definitely Christian McCaffrey is going to be the catalyst for that offense. Uh, it's definitely going to be centered around him. Uh, the current quarterback's room, I would definitely want to see uh, QB1 back in the saddle. Uh, I definitely, from what I've heard from, Cam himself, uh, he does seem confident that he will still be a Panther. He wants to be a Panther. But, of course, it's definitely going to be up to uh, Matt Rule, Marty Herney, and and um, David Tepper, of course. Uh, but I do like what – I do like the history that Matt Rule has with uh, the rebuilding process. Uh, it's definitely – a stage of rebuilding Carolina, of course, with uh, not only with a new head coach, but the heart and soul of the defense, Luke Keekly retiring. Uh, definitely was sad to see, but definitely understandable. And then uh, Greg Olson uh, to retire wearing his jersey now since he is no longer on the team. For uh, But he did some great commentary with the XFL. I definitely want to see him in the broadcast booth uh, in the near future. I hope that uh, he enjoys broadcasting enough where he doesn't have to go anywhere else. (laughs) Uh, But that's just the selfish part of me talking. But I overall, uh, that rule, I like the hire. I like the fact that Tepper is giving him a lot of time, seven years, and paying him a lot of money, which is probably uh, much to the chagrin of 
other coaches in the league, but his Tempers team, like you said, he's put his stamp on on the team finally, and he's definitely going to be a big part of what the future is uh, to come. He's got the energy, and I'm I'm all aboard for it. I just hope they make the uh, make a good decision uh, with uh, Cam. Either, especially if he stays, I definitely want to see him at least have one more run in Carolina. Or you know, if you do free up that 21 million in cap space, make sure you use it wisely and get somebody who is worth the number seven pick in the draft too. All right, so we'll transition into the National Basketball Association. The trade deadline came and went, and the Houston Rockets, they made probably the biggest splash as they changed the entire makeup of their team as they trade their big man, Clint Capella, to the Atlanta Hawks, and they have fully embraced small ball as now P.J. Tucker has become their center. Um, Radical move by Mike D'Antoni and Houston, uh, their general manager, Daryl Morey. uh, They've been talking about they've been kind of in a malaise for the past like month or so, and they were couldn't kind of figure it out. So I guess this was the ultimate solution. Dwayne, in the first game out of this trade, they put it on the Lakers with Russell Westbrook going off for 41. James Harden having a so-so night, but the small ball defeated the Lakers for one night pretty handily. So what are your expectations of Houston going forward embracing the small ball era. Well, I mean, it was good to see them beat the Lakers, but then they got blasted by the Suns the very next night. So, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's going to be good longevity-wise or if it's going to be a detriment come playoff time. I wanted to see more. Uh, I it looks like from the looks of things, they looked at Clint Capella over this time as a liability, and so and so I get, when you have a liability, you get rid of it. So I see the rationale behind it. Are they going to go back to the seven seconds or less? Uh, like they did the Phoenix, is it going to take off? I don't really see it. I think it'll be a crash and burn kind of situation. It's going to flame out eventually. They could be gone by the second round. So not really a fan of the small ball um, for the – it's good in the regular season, but when it comes to playoff time, you're going to need at least a big man somewhere. And I'm sure they're going to end up trying to find somebody, uh, you know, whoever has an expiring contract or trying to get a buyout from another team. It's just, it's not really appealing to me. I think, even, I just see it as a gimmick and it's going to be a step backwards. And we don't know what's going to happen from there. But 
That's just my view on the whole situation. All right. D'Angelo Russell, he moved from the sun and fun of San Francisco to the cold and snowy Minnesota Timberwolves. NBA Siberia. To join up with his good friend, Carl Anthony Towns. So they're finally reunited together. It's been a long, strange journey for these two to get here. Wiggins goes from the Timberwolves to the Warriors. So maybe he can get a new lease on life and an and a, and a offense and a team that is will be less reliant on him to be the man and more just kind of fit in and as a piece. So... Your thoughts on the overall Warriors and Timberwolves trade? Was this a trade where actually both teams kind of won? There are no losers here. Uh, yes, absolutely. I think with with uh, the Wolves, they get they get a playmaker who who will also be not only distributing the ball but scoring the ball as well, and and can take the load off of Towns and. Wiggins did this, but he did it in a quiet sense of things versus um, Russell, where you know he's if he's having a good night, you know he's going to go off and have a good night. And Andrew Wiggins, yeah, he's not the it doesn't I won't say he's not an alpha uh, per se, but he's definitely somebody who can take over a game but he doesn't need to be the focal point. And so even when the Warriors get fully healthy, uh, basically by fully healthy, the Splash Brothers, uh, Steph and Clay, once they get healthy again, uh, Andrew Wiggins will be a good third option. I even will put him as a third scoring option over Draymond, who's going to probably be making the, doing the distributing anyway in that uh, Warriors offense. Uh it was kind of peculiar to see see Kerr initially talk at the start of the season on how D'Angelo Russell was such a good fit, and then when he gets traded, it just didn't work out. So it was kind of like, well, which one was it? So, but I think both teams did win in this trade. There, there were definitely no losers. Uh, it's going to benefit both in the West for for a good time to come. The All-Star Game is this weekend, and the format of the game itself has been altered to honor the late, great Kobe Bryant. Um, just uh, still can't believe it. Just such a just a surreal day, that Sunday morning, yeah. um, just coming off of that Saturday night. Um I have a really good friend who is just the biggest Kobe fan and we have a group chat and his cousin text and so you know you just see the first couple of lines and it's just like it's all over for you Frank and it's a, and I'm just thinking you know oh they're about they're razzing them about LeBron passing Kobe and you know the torches you know Kobe is in the rear view now and then I open it all the way up, and they're like, oh, they're saying Kobe passed away in a helicopter crash. It's like, huh? Right. And it's just, you know, just that next yeah. few hours are just like, 
is that for real? And then the reports coming in and just, you know, just, just shock and awe and, you know, just a day of reflection and make it, you know, hug your loved ones a little bit closer. And yeah, you know, it makes you think about so much. And, you know, when I, I was just being nosy on Twitter, looking at some nice conversation when I saw that and, I was just like, what the heck are they talking about? And then I see I see the headline, and I just, my whole body went numb, man. And anybody that knows me knows that I am a, uh, I'm a Celtics fan all the way. But, and, you know, I despise, I despise Kobe for a long time, but over time I gained so much respect for, for the man and, Seeing, um, seeing uh, Gigi work on her game and wanting to be the standard bearer, the next generation, the one that wanted to take over the women's game. And I even had a Facebook post that went all the way left, uh, uh, basically because I just said she was next. And when um, she was going to be next, I definitely believe that. And it was one of those things where, and like you said, it just made you think about all the thing, all the stuff that we deal with on a daily basis, and it could just be gone in the blink of an eye. And it really just tells you that, you know, life is definitely short. I mean, he did a lot in his 40 in his 41 years, but we were definitely looking to see the evolution of the man himself even more. And, and we got, we got, we got that taken away and, and, you know, still prayers go out to all the families that were affected by, by the uh, tragedy and even with the Altabelli family, the the Mauser family as well. I hope I got the name right. Um, that it was just so shocking, and and I can only just imagine the pain that they're going through right now. So the NBA is going to honor Kobe in the actual playing of the All Star Game. Uh, the first three quarters are going to be treated like three separate games, so the score is going to reset after each quarter. Uh, in the fourth quarter, they're going to play to a target score, and that score is going to be determined by the winning margins combined of the first three quarters plus 24 points in honor of Kobe's jersey, and that will be whatever number that they get to to play to. So if it's a you know, 30 point winning margin combined, they'll have to play to 54 and it'll be an untimed quarter and first team to 54 wins the all-star game. Seems a little too gimmicky to me. I mean, they could have just played the game and the first team to go to, you know, just play hard for the whole 48 minutes. See if you can score 200. That's what I think you could honor Kobe. Agreed. I I just didn't really – I got the whole concept of it. I wasn't a big fan of it either. Uh, but I do love the fact that LeBron chose to wear number two for his team. 
have seen wear number two in honor of uh, Gigi. And the jersey uh, for Team Giannis will be 24. So it was definitely that part I could get with. And I even put this on Twitter. It didn't really get a lot of traction like I would have thought it would have. But you know how we got the Bill Russell Finals MVP award. Why not name the MVP award after Kobe? That would definitely be a lasting, a more lasting uh, legacy there. Um, how many MVP awards at an All Star game did he win, though? See, like to me, and I think they were trying to point this out about, unlike I think Bomani was talking about this, Kobe. We think about him as an individualistic virtuoso player, right? But he doesn't have that many individual standout awards. All his stuff is winning the championship, team involved, the long haul. You know what I'm saying? He 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 only has like one regular season MVP. So I, I don't know. I don't think that he has like. I I think that that kind of would be a different, you know. Conversation, yeah, conversation for that yeah. particular award, right? I, I, I guess, I guess it was one of those heat of the moment kind of thoughts, you know, kind of like instead of doing a gimmicky game, why not have something that lasts a little bit longer, you know? Right, um, right. And so that that's I, that's where the thought process came from. That I would say. Um, cause it's, it's like, you know, this is going to be a forget, I mean, the concept is going to be forgotten unless they're going to continue to do this year after year. Uh, but I just really think he, I think, like I said, I just think it would have been a lot more honor, like it would be more of a honor kind of thing. But I get what you're saying, though. Uh, he won the All Star MVP four times. Okay, okay. So that's yeah, that's a respectable number. That definitely could qualify for him to uh, to definitely have it renamed after him if they chose to do that. Yeah, Kim and Bob Pettit are the only two that won uh, the award four times. Uh, Oscar Robertson, Michael Jordan, Shaquille O'Neal, and LeBron James all won it three times. Kuzi uh, Irving, Isaiah Thomas. Magic, Carl Malone, fuck him. Allen Iverson, Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, they all won it twice. Okay, yeah. I'm down with that. I'm down with that. Um, Yeah. Final note for the All-Star Weekend. What gets more of your attention? Now, this is your personal thing. You don't have to talk about, like, what the people like, but just just for you on the All-Star Saturday night. Is it the dunk contest? Is it the three-point shootout? Or is it the skills challenge? It used to be the when I was younger. I'm gonna break it down three phases here. Back in back when I couldn't even jump that high, it was the dunk contest because that's when we had the true high flyers of the game. Not saying we don't have them now, but it's I think the dunk contest was more popular in our in my in our younger days basically. Uh, so the dunk contest. Then as I got you know into the teens and twenties. Because I love the three-point shot, it became the three-point shootout. But now it's the skills competition. Just having the, the the fundamentals, the skills to do what these players do on a regular basis, and 
to display that on a, in a fast-paced competition. That's the most exciting part. I even got more into it last year when uh, when Jason Tatum won it on a half-court eve. And so uh, that was definitely something awesome to witness. And, yeah, that's for me, it's a skills contest. What about you, Doc? Uh, same thing. Uh, as a kid, it was definitely the dunk contest. Then it evolved into the three-point shootout there for a minute. But, yeah, I really enjoyed the skills competition, especially now with the talented uh, big guys that we have. They can dribble, they can pass, they can shoot. So they have just as much of a chance to win these uh, skills challenges uh, as the guards do in the forward. And it makes for some really fun uh, matchups there at the end, especially, like you said, with guys who can make half-court shots and guys who can't there at the end with the pressure on. So I really like the skills challenge a lot. All right. I like, yeah. And the field this year is stacked too. And looking forward to to that part of the competition as well. This is Know the Score. I'm your host, Don DeLorente. I'm joined by my co host, the Libra icon, Dwayne. You can find Know the Score on the web at CSPN.us. We're going to talk about Major League Baseball for our final topic as we're wrapping up this catching up edition of Another Score. There's been a lot of fallout from the Astros sign stealing uh, report and investigation. Of course, the Astros, as we talked about in the last episode with Nebias, they fired their manager, their general manager as well. Um, Boston has fired their manager as well. The New York Mets didn't even get a chance to have their manager manage a game. Carlos Beltran, he got the boot as damage control. Uh, so, Dwayne, let me get your thoughts just first off. Uh, haven't got your thoughts on just the Houston uh, using the sign stealing techniques throughout the playoffs to win the World Series. Uh, just your thoughts initially, and then we'll talk about some of the other things that have happened since then. I was shocked by it. Uh, this was actually crazy because I was definitely rooting for the Astros in in these uh, championship run and and as I started uh, as the video started to come out about it and you could kind of see like when you start seeing things and listening to things it kind of was just like wow I had how do we miss this? And, and, you know, got to give, you know, this a courageous move by uh, Mike Fires to even report that. Cause I think had he not said anything, this would have been taken to the grave. So uh, definitely, I mean, ba- cheating has been <laughs> around baseball forever. Of course. I mean, black South scandal, um, spitballs, things of that sort. I mean, we've had pepper games. We've had the steroid era. Um, So, this was just another, you know, part of the... Here's the the thing about baseball. Cheating goes on in baseball all the damn time. Everybody Mm -hmm. knows it from... The rising bag 
to the wetting of the grass or how high you grow the grass, right? It's all in the gamesmanship of the game. If you can figure the signs out from stealing on second base and being out there in the game of in the field of play and figure it out that way by just your intuition and picking up a pattern and then you figure out a way to relay it to your guys, that's all in the fairness of playing somebody three, four days in a row. That's all so well. That's good. That's all good. That's all good. We expect you to do it. That's the reason why most teams change it up every day. They change right. the formation of the signs up every day because they don't want that to happen because people are looking for that. That's what you're looking for. What you don't expect them to do is to use the live feed of the game happening itself to then relay this to every single player. <laughs> now that because everybody exactly. doesn't get it because you know there may be like one guy who's like oh I got the signs but it's only effective if that one guy is on base for him to be able to give you whatever tip his hat uh, step on the bag twice or whatever the sign is hey this is when the off speed pitch is coming you know I won't take my lead or whatever when the off speed pitch is coming I'll stay on the bag a little longer you know, everybody has exactly. whatever they have Right. But what Houston was doing is just totally outside the gray area that everybody normally operates in as far as the sign stealing. Yeah, they definitely went outside the culture of the game. And I I totally agree with that. I, and that's what I was alluding to because, yeah, it's part of the game to pick up what you see. Um. And that's exactly and that's exactly with the camera. That was I think with the camera and the buzzers, uh, you know, that was just like camera buzzers banging the trash cans. You know, do I think? Do I think they would? They were going to vacate. I knew they weren't going to vacate the World Series. I mean, it's never been done anyway. Um, did the White Sox give up their nineteen nineteen World Series? No. So the Astros are going to give up their World Series. So, like you said, it's always been part of the game. Uh, there's been egregious moments. This is just one of them. It's going to live in infamy, and we just got to move on and forward, just boo the shit out of the teams as they go on the road. It's going to be a tough season for them. So in the fallout, the Astros has have named veteran Dusty Baker their new manager, Dusty Baker, is coming into a situation with a team that has won the World Series, that was in the World Series last year, and is pretty much a favorite to, you know, be in the hunt again. So he has a chance to finally get his long-awaited World Series win as a manager. And the Boston Red Sox have named Ron Renneke their interim manager, because MLB is still investigating their sign-stealing uh, situation, and there may be more penalties yet to come. So he's only been named as an interim uh, so far. And then there's the case of your New York Mets, who still have not named the manager, I don't yes, think. Yes, they did. Oh, who, yes, who they, they did. They, um, Luis Rojas, who is the son of Felipe Alou, Brother Moises, he's been with the organization in the minor leagues as well as the quality control coach. Been with the Mets organization for the last 16 years. 
So they at the, he started when he was basically 22, 23. He's now 38 going on 39, and he will be the manager for at least the next two years. In in New York, uh, he's got the res- he's worked with a lot of the players in the minor leagues, so the players know him very well. And he, with his father, uh, being Felipe Alou, uh, definitely one of the most uh, man of men of integrity in the game. Uh, his brother Moises as well, uh, definitely a good good. Um, addition for the Mets so uh, they they decided to just look within the organization it's that they were going to look at Eduardo Perez who lost out because Carlos Beltran in the first hiring but they decided to go with uh, Luis Rojas and definitely got the players excited and and I can't wait to see what he does and finally in a blockbuster move the Boston Red Sox have traded Mookie Betts and David Price to the L.A. Dodgers, making the Dodgers the odds-on favorite to win this year's World Series. Uh, they did not want to apparently go into a free agency situation with Mookie Betts, so they trade him with one year left on his deal. David Price, aging left-handed pitcher, probably more suited for the National League at this point in his career then the national, I mean, then the American League, so it's probably going to work out very well for him, uh, just because his stuff is more tailored for National League batting. Uh, just your thoughts on now the Dodgers getting even more reinforcements in the form of Mookie Betts and David Price. Is there going to result in a World Series? Though that's the thing. I mean, well, apparently the Dod- they got cheated out of the one they lost to Houston. So there is that. So <laughs> there is that. So. Uh, basically, I mean, we shall we shall see because I I do think that uh, you know the Dodgers getting cheated out of the World Series and then losing again to the Red Sox kind of strange that you know you Boston would give up a player they <laughs> they gave up a player the to the team that they beat in the World Series uh, a couple of years ago, but um, I do believe they are the odds-on favorite. They've been dominant. I don't know how they lost to the Nationals a year ago in the NLDS. Was it the NLDS they lost in Division Series? I think it was. Um, but it, it, we, shall wait, we shall see. I mean, health has a hold-up, of course. Uh they did. Uh, they keep their rotation intact. Basically, they they lost some. They still have their big bats, and it's a it's a win win for them. I can't even I can't even uh, be mad at what they what they've done uh, to try to get that elusive World Series uh, back to L.A. and. And I can't, you know, baseball's coming around the corner. Can't wait to see what happens. All right. So that is a wrap up of what's been going on in Major League Baseball. So at this time, Dwayne, I'll turn it over to you for your final thoughts and your shout outs. Well, shout out to you, Don. Thanks for having me back. It is great to be back. I know the score. I definitely did miss it. Uh, shout out to 
uh, all the listeners. Um, I definitely want to first say, you know, just, you know, life is short, man. Just be, be aware of the fact that, you know, things that are, things that are, that seem big are actually small. There are a lot of things that are going on that need more attention and just got to spread more love. Um, I actually got three thoughts. So that's the first thought. The second thought, um, definitely was happy. I actually watched the XFL over the weekend. I loved the kickoffs. I, I thought the gameplay was a lot better than I expected it to be and a lot less gimmicky and, the talent level was definitely there. We we got a lot of, you know, interaction with the reporters and the players. Um, the game in D.C. was fun to watch. The double reverse uh, with uh, Cardell Jones, Sakari Lee, uh, P.J. Walker, looking like Russell Wilson out there throwing four touchdowns. Um, the Sunday games, uh, New York dominating Tampa Bay. I did not have Matt McGloy outplaying Aaron Murray in that game, but that's what happened. And then a defensive battle in Dallas between the Battle Hawks and Renegades, uh, St. Louis coming out with the W there. So great, great action. I will be watching week two to see how things go. And then also the final, the third final thought. Uh, Liverpool uh, across the pond, a commanding 22-point lead. It is literally their Premier League title to lose. I don't really like the term Premier League champions-elect, but it is what it is. I just hope there's no systematic, self-destructing collapse that makes them the laughing stock of the league. So those are my final thoughts, and I will turn it to you, Don. I'd like to give a big shout out to Dwayne for joining me here on this episode of Know the Score. Give a big shout out to all the listeners here who listen to the Know the Score through CSPN. Thank you very much. And all the podcasters as well. Uh, my final thoughts will be the awful year for North Carolina Tar Heel basketball. Oh my gosh. Last Saturday was about as low as you could get. Blowing a 13-point lead with four minutes to go to Duke for the game to go into overtime to then be up by five to blow that and have Duke win on a just crazy scenario at the buzzer to rip out the hearts of all the Carolina fans who was like, there's going to be – there's they got one good game left in them, and that was it because then they turned around and got destroyed by Wake Forest, didn't show up at all. So uh, just a – disastrous season for Carolina basketball. We thought Kansas was having an off year last year. Nah. <laughs> nah. They actually had a pretty decent year uh, compared to what uh, uh, this UNC team is going through uh, dead last in the ACC. And, that is wild. Uh, yeah, definitely wild. So, uh, so uh, don't know what to say. Just looking forward to next year. Looking forward to football season. Can't say, haven't been able to say that in a long time as a Carolina Tar Heel fan. But uh, that's definitely the way things are looking uh, this year as far as uh, the basketball team goes. And this Sunday, it's the return of 
NASCAR and the Daytona 500. Uh, it's going to be run this Sunday. Uh, the usual cast of characters will be the favorites. Kyle Busch, Martin Truex Jr., um, Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano. But hopefully this will be the year that Bubba Wallace shocks the world and he wins the Daytona 500, becoming the first African-American driver to win the prestigious race. It's always going to be a lot of fun. Always going to be a lot of excitement. And whoever wins the race becomes an instant legend. So, uh, definitely. yeah, it's definitely one of the highlight events of my year. I look forward to it. And I can't wait to see what drama prevails through 500 miles of racing down at Daytona. Yes, I, I definitely I need, I will watch more NASCAR again. I have been out of touch with this. Time to get back in touch with it. And especially since this is going to be Jimmy's last hurrah. So, yeah. Yeah, Jimmy Johnson's going to call it quits after this year. He's going to retire and probably, if he wants to, join Jeff Gordon up in the Fox booth because they need a third person. Looks like they're going to go with just a two-man team this year. Dale Waltrip uh, retired out of their booth. So, uh, that could be a possibility for Jimmy Johnson next year, but we will see what the future holds for the seven-time NASCAR champion. For the Libra icon, Dwayne, I'm your host, Don DeLorente, and now you know the score. <laughs> 